0: Does everybody have a handout that wants a handout? If we need to print off some more, we can certainly do that. Okay, great. Tell you what, let me pray and we'll get going. Father, we just thank you for this time and thank you for your word and thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God who's given us everything we need for godly living father it's not a pipe dream it's something you have offered to us and you something you have commanded for us and something you you have equipped us to do lord i just pray your blessing upon this time i pray that these words would be yours and not mine and i thank you for this time amen okay well thanks for having me to the annual smoke off for allowing me to be part of the evening I'm going to to start with a few disclaimers. There are fewer topics in Scripture that point out so clearly our lack of qualifications to teach, as does the topic of purity. I am a sinner saved solely by the grace of God. Any and all progress that I have made in the area, area of purity and holiness is entirely a testament to Him to his love, his mercy, and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Understand that up front. What I'm going to share with you tonight is the product of 30-plus years of the Christian walk, sometimes growing more than others, sometimes more obedient than others. I do not in any way stand in judgment over you. I am a pilgrim, just as are you, in a fallen body, in a fallen world. Also, what I'm going to say tonight, since we're a bunch of guys, is those things that generally can't be said in big church. I am going to be frank. I am going to be blunt. I am going to talk of things tonight that you probably would never have thought would be discussed within the church. I do not mean to offend, but I believe that these are topics that we men need to be very clear on. But sadly... Rarely, if ever, do we have the opportunity to talk about them. With that being said, I want to start with our purpose. Our purpose. Why are we here tonight? What do we hope to accomplish? Maybe you're here for the barbecue, and that's a good reason. I'll give you that one. That's legit. Maybe you're here because you were dragged here. Maybe you're here because you want people to think highly of you. I would hope that you're here because you see the value of being here, that you are a believer in Jesus Christ and that you understand the need for purity. So what is our purpose tonight? Friend, if you are not a believer and you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, our purpose tonight is to present to you the freedom in Christ that is yours if you will commit your life to him. If you are a believer, then our purpose is to encourage you to become more like Christ by aggressively pursuing holiness. By aggressively pursuing holiness. With that being said, the problem we face. The problem we face. Alright, so you want to be more like Christ. But the world doesn't seem to be helping us very much toward that goal, does it? We live in a pornographic age. You've all heard the marketing maxim, sex sells. And that's a true statement. There is something that is hardwired within us that is attracted to and wants to look at a beautiful woman, isn't there? Of course there is. And at one level, that's okay. Women are beautiful and they should be attractive to us. But our heart is never satisfied with just an appreciation of her beauty. We always want to see more. And society is eager to oblige. You see that in fashions. The skirts get a little higher, the necklines get a little lower. Once this has gone on for a few decades, you start to run out of fabric and pretty much they meet in the middle. You see it in social media, those women with the greatest assets and the scantest outfits seem to garner the largest followings. You see it in the movies, in television, magazines, books. That which is called art today is often more an exploration of human depravity than anything else. It is the pornification of our culture. The invention of the internet has brought perversion right into the home. Pretty much any depravity you can imagine is now a few keystrokes away. The injection of AI, artificial intelligence, into the world of pornography will only serve to feed sordid lusts and fetishes that will deprave minds even further. There is now no societal check on evil. There was a time when we agreed on what was decent or appropriate no longer now perversion is promoted and celebrated everywhere starting in elementary school most young persons are exposed to pornography by age 13 13 and obviously they've got you know either side of that average age 13. if you don't agree with the modern agenda You are the problem. You are the one who is portrayed as evil. This sin has unfortunately infected the church at alarming levels. Bart gave you the statistics last Sunday, but many, many professing Christians have been caught in the snare of pornography and sexual sin. Far too often for the believer, we feel trapped in an endless cycle. Sin, repent. Same sin, repent again. Same sin again, repent again. When will it end? Well, oftentimes we think, boy, if I just get a girlfriend, this will be better, right? If I just get a girlfriend. But it's not. But it's not. And by the way, if you're a young man here, if you are ensnared by pornography, you should not be dating. Period. You need to get your life right before the Lord before you are entrusted with the heart of a young woman. End of sentence. If you are ensnared by pornography as a young man, you should not be dating. Period. So, maybe then, I think, maybe then, if I get married, it'll get better. But it doesn't. The sin is still there. I find that I'm using pornography just as much as I did before I got married. Then, of course, we resort to the rationalizations. First, we try to tell ourselves that, well, pornography is a victimless crime, right? It's a victimless crime. Well, let's talk about that. 1.2 million kids kids, will be sex trafficked this year. 1.2 1.2 million. Among those who are sex trafficked for pornography, the average age of them first being filmed, 12.8 years. Average age. Pornography is a 12 to $14 billion business in the United States alone. More than the NFL, the NBA, and MLB combined. Men who use pornography, This is the industry that you are financing and promoting. The victims are the women who are trafficked to feed your lust. The victims are your wife and your children. Second, second rationalization, we minimize self-gratification. We tell ourselves, I'm just meeting my own needs. Christian, masturbation cannot be justified before God for several reasons. First, it is not possible to masturbate with or without the use of pornography. I don't care. It's not possible to masturbate without harboring lust in your heart. And that's Matthew 5.28. Second, the sexual process is the most intimate and definitive expression of who you are as a man, and it belongs to your wife. 1 Corinthians 7.4. Third, sex was never meant to be a solo, selfish act. It was always to be giving, selfless, and enjoyed as a married couple. Genesis 1:28, Proverbs 5:18 to 19. Third rationalization. So we think it's okay if we just retreat into fantasy. I'm not using porn, I'll just go with fantasy. Vicarious sex is not okay. Your wife is not your personal sex toy. If you are having her dress up or play parts for you, you are not truly with her. You are with the woman of your fantasies. Do not visualize other women while you are with your wife. She is your wife, and at the same time, she is also your sister in Christ. You are demeaning her, and at the same time, You're using her for your own gratification. And that's it. That's not being a loving husband. Fourth, we feel entitled. We feel entitled. This is me time. This is my private time. Scripture is clear on this. There are no secret sins. That which is secret sin on earth is open scandal in heaven. Psalm 90 verse 8. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. It's open in heaven. Everybody's seeing it. Finally, our last rationalization, we blame the wife. We blame the wife. My wife doesn't give me enough sex. My wife doesn't like the type of sex that I want. I'm not as physically attracted to her as I was. Now, gentlemen, before you ever get to the point in your relationship with your wife where you can rationalize your own sin and make it her fault, you must ask yourself, do I love my wife as Christ loved the church? Have you shown her your love with far more than a paycheck? Do you lay down your life for her? Do you sacrifice for her? Do you protect her? Do you lead her spiritually? When was the last time you prayed for your wife? When was the last time you prayed with your wife? When was the last time you read scripture with your wife? And so instead of doing any of these things that we should be doing, we plunge headlong into the pit of pornography, fantasy, and masturbation, none of which are biblical all of which are schemes of the devil designed to cripple you and to rob you of the joy of the victory that he has won for you. So, the prescription to take. The prescription to take. So what are we to do then, Christian? Wallow in our sins? Resign ourselves to accept defeat? Poor, pitiful me. There's nothing I can do about it. This is just my thorn in the flesh. Fortunately for you, believer, God has not abandoned you. He has very clearly told you in his word what you are to do. If you have your copy of God's word, open up to Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 8. Roman is the Apostle Paul's magnum opus. It is his masterpiece. In it, he explores the depths of the depravity of man, the holiness of God, the loving work of Christ, and the beauty of our salvation and sanctification through the Holy Spirit. And we come to chapter 8. Chapter 8. This is the holy of holies of Romans. Many consider this to be the greatest chapter in the greatest book of the New Testament. And Paul is ready to expound upon the benefits of having the Holy Spirit. So our passage for tonight is verse 13. Romans 8.13 If you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you have an issue with pornography, then there are things that are in this verse that should be very encouraging to you. And there are things in this verse that should be terrifying to you first Paul says if you live according to the flesh you must die when Paul is talking about living according to the flesh he means living according to the norms of the world understand clearly that the world stands in direct and open opposition to God and his standards the world is currently under the power of Satan the prince of the air Everything that is in the world and of the world hates God and his son. If you are living according to the world, you are necessarily living a life that hates God. And the application here is obvious. Pornography is of the flesh. Pornography is of the world. You cannot partake in pornography in any of its forms and claim that you are living a life that demonstrates love toward God. You cannot come here and then go out and do door-to-door evangelism one night and then the next night watch porn and think somehow that these two parts of your life are not related. Well, the evangelism me, that's the real me. Are you sure about that? Really? I'm not sure God sees it that way. The pornography you, that's the real you. Your evangelism is a performance. You are playing a part before man and paying lip service to God. Think about it. When you're evangelizing, what are you proclaiming? The good news, right? The good news. You're proclaiming the transformative power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're preaching it, but have you experienced it? You teach of transformation and freedom, but you live in stagnation and bondage. So if this is you, if you are living according to the flesh, what is the end result? Well, Paul tells us, you must die. Now this is death in the theological sense. You must die in that you will be eternally separated from God. The one who lives according to the flesh... Anyone who willingly, routinely, and knowingly uses pornography will die. Let me repeat that. Anyone who willingly, routinely, and knowingly uses pornography will die. You will be eternally separated from God. You will be in hell forever. But we're all good Calvinists here, right? I hope. This does not mean that Once you are genuinely saved and regenerated, you can somehow become unregenerated. You cannot pass from death to life and then back to death again. What this is saying is that you were never saved to start with. If you are willingly, routinely, and knowingly participating in pornography and there is no repentance or desire to repent in your heart, odds are... You're not saved. You are not living according to the clear dictates of Scripture. You are clearly not in God's will for your life. First Thessalonians four three to five. We're going to be looking at that in uh, Grace Life. Matthew seven twenty two to twenty three is now your life verse. Jesus is speaking. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons? and in your name perform many miracles. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's now your life first. Friend, if there is even one iota of a chance that this is you, please come talk to me, talk to one of the pastors, talk to whoever brought you here. Now, fortunately for us, there is a but in this sentence there is an alternative to living a life in the flesh but if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body you will live christian you are going to sin there is no way around it you live in a fallen body in a fallen world full of sin but that is not what defines us there is another option for you you can Put to death the deeds of the body. The King James Version says mortify the deeds of the body. And the best news is you're not alone in the fight. Because you have the Holy Spirit, He will assist you. It is by the Spirit that we have any hope. Left to ourselves, we would go round and round in the circle of failure. But God knows our weaknesses. He did not leave us to ourselves thank god you have a tremendous tactical advantage over sin and that's the holy spirit you are indwelt by the holy spirit who gives you the power to battle your sin christian the way we fight this is to walk by the spirit and to be led by the spirit as we expose our souls more and more to god through his word through biblical preaching through other believers, and especially through prayer, a curious thing happens. We become more like Christ. His holiness inevitably, naturally begins to permeate our soul. Slowly, your desires become His desires. Your thoughts become His thoughts. Your actions become His actions. Christian, you need to understand this clearly. This is necessarily a part of your Christian experience. And you don't need anything else. If you have the grace of salvation, then you also have the grace of sanctification. They're the same grace. You cannot be a believer and not see the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in your soul. And that includes pornography. Its hold over you is only as strong as you allow it to be. You have everything you need right now to slay this in your body. Everything you need. But it's also not only a work of the Holy Spirit. You too have responsibility. It is in cooperation with the Holy Spirit that we need to be putting to death the deeds of pornography and sexual sin. So that's the next point, the prosecution of our sin. The prosecution of our sin. You are to prosecute a war against your sin. How do I do that? How do I mortify the deeds of the body? It starts with confession. It starts with confession. The Greek word homologeo, to speak the same as. When we confess, we are to speak the same as God. First, we admit to God who we are and specifically what we have done. Don't gloss over it. Don't dance around it. Call it what it is. Adultery. Fornication. Lust. Don't use euphemisms. Admit that the act came from your heart alone and that no one else is to blame. You desired it. You planned it. You acted upon it. Christian, It's not like you're going to share with God some earth-shattering news that's going to rock His world. You speak the same as God precisely because He already knows. He knows who you are. He knows what you've done. It's on you to admit it. Second, you must confess to those who are impacted by your sin. Start with your wife. Again, don't minimize it. Confess what you have done. Acknowledge how much it hurt her, how it made her feel, and take responsibility. Confess to your pastor what you have done. Confess to anyone who knows that you're a believer and could also know that you're using porn. Confess to them because you're being a very poor representation of Christ. Confess to anyone else who needs to know. The next phase of our persecu- uh, prosecution of your sin is repentance. Repentance. After confession, then you repent, which means that you turn around. You go in a different direction. You get off the path that you are traveling and you choose to go another way. You must understand, though, there is such a thing as worldly Repentance. And that's 2 Corinthians 7.10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Christian, are you truly sorry for your sin? Do you see it as reprehensible before a holy God? Or are you sorry that you got caught? Do you see your sins as something that must be destroyed or are you sorry you can't participate in them any longer? Do you see your past and feel the burn of shame or do you replay in your mind your sin longingly? The worldly sorrow that Paul is talking of is a mirage. It is a phantasmagoria morgana of forgiveness. It may have the appearance of something valuable, but it is less than worthless. It is poison. It may make you feel better, but in the end it offers you no real peace and it will lead to your death. Let me ask you a question, one that I think will gauge the temperature of your soul. If you had the opportunity to sin, if you had the opportunity to use your favorite form of pornography or sexual sin and there was no chance anyone else would know or find out, would you do it? If the answer to that question is yes, then you have not experienced true repentance. You have not mortified the deeds of the body. More than that, if that is your mindset, friend, are you even saved? But if you are truly repentant, and truly wanting to change, then scripture tells us in Proverbs uh, 28, 13, he who confesses and forsakes his transgressions will find compassion. You must confess and forsake. Put off the sin. Put on the righteousness. Christian, if nothing ever changes in your life, then nothing ever will change in your life. You cannot have the same habits, practices, and thoughts, and expect a different outcome. If you are struggling with pornography, if you can't seem to get get out of its grip, you must change something. What is it that starts you down the path? Certain movies, websites, certain acts, ads. Maybe these things in and of themselves are not pornographic, but you know that once you go there, the sequence starts and you end up in the same place with the same old self disgust, bearing the same guilt. If you want freedom in Christian, I hope you do. If you want to be released from the dungeon of despair, you must do something different, which is the essence of repentance. So after confession and repentance, then you mortify. You mortify. This means you kill the sin. You kill the sin. First, take your sin to the cross. Take your sin to the cross. When you feel that familiar pull of the flesh, instead of turning it over in your mind, consider instead the costliness of your sin. Know that it was your sin that cost Jesus Christ his life. And spilled his blood upon the ground. Your sin pierced his hands and his feet and his side. Think about that instead of your sin. Next, subject your sin to the word of God. Subject your sin to the word of God. When Satan starts whispering lies, shout back to him scripture. This means you must take time to memorize scripture. I have given you multiple verses about purity on the back of your handout. There are many, many more. These are just the ones I came up with. Next, know you are not alone. Know that you are not alone. Practice the presence of God. Not in some mystical way, but simply acknowledging His imminence. He's right here, right now. He is right there with you as you are considering sin, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that at the moment of temptation, Satan does not fill us with a hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. We just kind of forget he's around. And that makes it a whole lot easier to sin. Christian, do not drag God into your sin. Don't. Next, believe the promises of Scripture. Believe the promises of Scripture. Know that there is no temptation that can overtake you. He will always, always leave you a way out. You do not have to sin. You can choose to obey. So, with that being said, what are the signs of unmortified sin? How do you know? Am I mortifying this sin? Well, if you can view pornography one day, and then the very next day have a quiet time that is completely unperturbed by your sin, then you have not mortified it. If your habit has little effect on your worship in church, then you have not mortified it. If your sin produces only a modicum of guilt that is easily discarded, you have not mortified it. If you do not see pornography as the bitter poison to your heart that it is, then you have not mortified it. If your addiction to pornography is habitual, if you've never seen any sort of victory over your sin, you have not mortified it. God hates sin with a righteous, white-hot hatred. He cannot in any way countenance or condone sin. And since you have the Holy Spirit within you, your reaction to pornography should be the same as his hatred. The next step in prosecuting the death of your sin is to have a plan. Have a plan. What are you going to do when the temptation to sin strikes? When you, out of habit or boredom, first begin to entertain the idea of looking at pornography or masturbating. You must capture the thought before it germinates into sin. But that's not enough. You can't just not think about it. You must replace that thought with something that is better. You must Philippians 4.8 it. And if you don't know what that verse is, look it up. That's what you need to be doing. You need to have in your mind and at the ready scripture that you have committed to memory that you can use against the temptation. Make sure and fill the idle moments in your day with something godly. There are many, many ministries right here at GBC that would love to have your help. Finally, find a partner. Find a partner. Part of your plan for dealing with this sin is not dealing with this alone. Scripture clearly states that we are to function as a body. Confess to another believer who can then hold you accountable. You need to find a fellow believer of the same sex that you can really talk to or call when you are tempted. This is not your wife. Your wife is not your accountability partner for this sin. You understand that? Encourage each other. Pray for each other. Use filtering software and have him be the recipient of your reports. I've given you several on the back of your handout. I know the first two, I don't know the others, but they are highly rated. Meet regularly. Memorize scripture together. Read books together. Again, I've given you books on the back of your handout. You don't have any excuses anymore. Get into the Hope Bible study that we have here at GBC. These are like-minded men who seek purity. Now the final step is our persistence. Our persistence. Christian... You must stay after your sin. There will never be a day when you can take rest from the fight. This is something that you are to do every day. It is your responsibility to put to death the deeds of the body. You must understand that your struggle with sin is a death match. It has often been said, perhaps because it's true, that either you are killing your sin or your sin is killing you. The fight against sin never ends. There is never a moment of respite. Your sin, with the full cooperation of your flesh, is always active, always seducing, always tempting. It is always pulling you away from God. Christian, you must, every moment of every day, carefully watch over your heart in order to ruthlessly root out any and all sin. You need to kill the first inkling of sin. Now very quickly, maybe you're sitting here and you know you have a problem. But you just can't bring yourself to address it. There are several reasons for this. Barriers to addressing our sin. First is pride. Pride. Most of us would rather stick an ice pick in our ear than admit sin. We're worried as to what others will think of us if we admit that we're struggling with pornography. We like the respect that attending church brings us. We like that we are seen as a decent moral guy. Will all that come crashing down if I admit the struggle? What will everyone think of me? Second reason, stubbornness. Stubbornness. If you have sinned against someone else, especially if you sinned against another due to sexual issues or pornography then you are commanded by Christ to go and make it right with them before coming into the presence of God. Sit down with your wife tonight. I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. Next is foolishness. Foolishness. In our minds, it's easy to come up with all sorts of reasons that we are justified in our use of pornography. Reasons not to repent. Reasons not to confess to our spouse or a ministry leader. These are a trap. Christian, these are a trap. The next is fear. Fear. Why did Adam hide in the garden after the fall? Adam himself tells us in Genesis 3, it's because he was afraid. We hide our sin out of fear. Fear that we will be rejected. That they will be disappointed in us. And finally, and I think this one is probably the most common. The most common reason we don't confess our sin is because we love our sin. I think far too many Christians are crippled by sin because they love it. And they won't give it up. They love their sin more than they love their Savior. They fear the light because they're more, more at home in the dark. Christian, if any of this is you, we need to talk. Why? Because none of these excuses is worth your eternal soul. Gentlemen, it is time. It is time to decide what kind of husband you want to be. It is time to decide what kind of a father you want to be. It is time to decide what kind of a man you want to be. The man you want to be in ten years is the product of all the decisions you make starting right now and between now and then. Now, if you say to me, Doc, I want to be a man of God, I would say that's fantastic. But I would also tell you that it is impossible to be a man of God unless you mortify the deeds of the body, unless you kill your sin every day. Gentlemen, decide this day who you will serve. So, friend... I offer to you salvation and the release from the endless cycle of sin and despair that will only lead to your death. Christian, I offer to you hope. You have not lost. You are not defeated. I offer you victory. You have it right now through confession, repentance, and the power to fight for your holiness.